All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the 20th Century Movie Club on the Dana Buckler Show. This is volume 27. I am your co-host, Mike Scott, flying solo hosting again, because as we've talked about before, Dana is busier than most world leaders, and so sometimes it's just going to be me on this, and I can't do this show alone. So I take the opportunity to reach out to some friends and some people I respect and admire and ask them if they want to join me and be a guest on this. And this week for this volume 27, it is my very good Twitter friend. You will probably know her as a writer and podcaster from F This Movie, my movie home away from home. I am unbelievably ecstatic to welcome Robin Buckley to the show. Robin, how are you tonight? I'm good. Oh, that was, that was a lot. Um, <laughs> You know, made me sound really cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fairness, I did just listen to the uh, F This Movie episode where Adam became the Jar Jar of F This Movie. So at least I didn't introduce you as that. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. So, Robin, as you know, we uh, we do this show to recommend movies from before the year 2000 to people who may not have seen them. There's a lot of movies out there, a lot of movies that we grew up loving that people just don't necessarily watch anymore. And as the guest, we always provide the guest with the opportunity to pick the theme. So what theme did you pick for tonight? For tonight, I chose movie musicals because it's very much my wheelhouse. It's probably my favorite genre. It's something I love more than most things. And I love this pick because we actually have a real lack of musicals on this recommendation list. You know, our our list is is in the 150s now, and I don't know that we even, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm not sure we even have one musical. I guess Stop Making Sense technically counts that as That was musical. the only one you have, yeah. Yeah. So, I looked through. <laughs> so I will be glad to get some more musicals to this because I, too, love the genre. The only thing that kind of bums me out is because of this format, I actually am not going to get to recommend my favorite musical because it came out in the year 2000, not before the year 2000, and that is Hedwig in the Angry Inch. So I'm going to backdoor that recommendation for everybody because that's, that's my favorite musical and I absolutely love it. Have you seen that one, Robin? I have. I, I love it. It's it's great. Yeah, I've seen it live a couple of times. I've seen the movie more times than I can count. So it can't be an official recommendation, folks, but please seek out Hedwig. All right. Well, Robin, you know how it works. We each pick three movies. We have a each have a backup movie in case we pick the same one. And as the guest, you get to go first. So why don't you tell us what your first pick is? All right. For my first pick, I'm going back. This is my earliest choice. It is from 1933, and it is Footlight Parade. It's directed by Lloyd Bacon, but it's choreographed, and the musical numbers are directed by Busby Berkeley. Have you seen this one? No, uh, this is actually <laughs> one that I haven't seen, which is one of my favorite things that happens on this show. So tell us a little bit about Footlight Parade. So Footlight Parade is it's only like about an hour and a half, a little over an hour and a half, and for the first hour or so, there's barely any music. There's some little kind of tunes that are hummed and, you know, little dances, but it's not a musical, really. It's more of a, uh, like, a, a, a screwball comedy. And then at the end, for the last half an hour, it's just Busby Berkeley choreographed musical numbers. Just these huge, lush, gorgeous, like, there's a um, human waterfall where a bunch of Women stand on top of each other's shoulders. And they're making and turning to a waterfall. It's this crazy thing. But it's basically, it's during the Depression. And it's a guy who is told musical theater's out. Movies are in. Talkies are in. And he 
decides that he's going to direct little plays that will air before people see the movies. So he can still direct and get his money. And that director is played by James Cagney. And then it kind of just goes from there. His ideas keep getting stolen. His secretary is in love with him. He's in love with some other lady. But it's just the entire thing is them kind of trying to put together a bunch of these short musicals to play before movies and get a deal. Like they're, they're going to sell it to this guy who owns a bunch of movie movie theaters and they have three days to do it. It's light, it's fluffy, but it's so much fun. And then again, you hit the end and I don't know if you've ever seen any Busby Berkeley numbers, but they're usually films from overhead. They're things that it's supposedly taking place on a stage but it wouldn't ever make sense on a stage it has to be on camera i i would say if people don't want to see the movie i mean i would recommend the whole movie just look up like footlight parade um either shanghai lil footlight parade honey it's i think like um honeymoon suite and footlight parade human waterfall they're crazy like you won't have seen anything like this before i have to admit I'm very familiar with Busby Berkeley. And in fact, as soon as you mentioned the human waterfall, mm-hmm. it made me think. So I don't know if anybody's ever seen this, but back in like 1994, 1995, Martin Scorsese did a, a four hour documentary called Personal Journey with Martin Scorsese through American movies. It was released on DVD. I think you can still track it down. And one of the segments was on musicals and he absolutely talked about Footlight Parade and the choreography of Busby Berkeley. And, you know, I've obviously seen other stuff. I mean, Airplane references Busby Berkeley. So I'm pretty excited to actually check this one out because I know that my knowledge of Busby Berkeley is definitely lacking. And I love that kind of spectacle. Every time I see something from a choreography that he did, I'm just like, why Why am I not watching more Busby Berkeley stuff? So I love this recommendation, Robin. Anything else you want to add to it? Along with James Cagney, it's Joan Blondell, Dick Powell, and Ruby Keeler, who are also all fantastic and are in a lot of musicals from the 1930s. I've never seen, I think, is it Yankee Doodle Dandy that James Cagney's in? Yeah, yeah. And I've never seen that, so I've only ever seen him playing, like, the gangster part. So this one is, it's such the outlier to me, but I love him in it. (laughs) So again, if you haven't seen him do dancing and singing before, you need to. Uh, You know, I know that he's, he came about as a dancer and a singer, but I'm with you. I am much more familiar with him as the, uh, you know, made it ma top of the world gangster than I am. I definitely think it's it's something I'm going to need to check out. Absolutely. I have seen one Lloyd Bacon, Busby Berkeley movie. I've seen 42nd Street and it was okay. delightful. So uh, I'm not completely a heathen here when we're talking about this stuff. I think a lot of the same, if I'm remembering, does that one also have I know some of them have Joan Blondell and Ruby Keeler and Dick Powell. He, they show up in a lot of the, like, Busby Berkeley movies. No Joan Blondell, but Ruby Keeler and Dick Powell are in it, absolutely. Okay. All right. So for my first pick, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump us forward just a little bit. Uh, well, quite a bit, 40 years to the 70s. I will admit that, you know, my love of the music movie musical really doesn't come about until about the 60s and 70s because I found when I was starting to get to really like musicals, I found a particular set of composers who were working in the 60s and 70s who just 
absolutely sang to me, and uh, no pun intended, wah wah. Um, and that is John Kander and Fred Epp. So my first recommendation is going to be the 1972 adaptation of their 1966 musical Cabaret, directed by Bob Fosse. Have you seen Cabaret, Robin? Yes. It is one of my absolute <laughs> favorites. Um, for those who haven't seen it, Cabaret takes place in 1931 in Berlin, where Liza Minnelli basically plays a cabaret singer. Joel Gray, in an all-time performance, plays the MC of the cabaret. And it's about a variety of sort of experiences that she has, uh, without getting into too much detail, while we're starting to see the rise of the Nazi movement in Germany. Kander and Ab, I think, do a phenomenal job of contrasting some absolutely amazing music and, and some funny scenes and some upbeat scenes with uh, sort of what's going on socially and and what i like about them is they were musical because they were working in the freedom of the 60s they were able to do things in musicals that i think people in the 40s and 30s would have loved to do but they were just not allowed to they're able to steer into some of these things um, again i don't want to get into too many details but what do you think of cabaret robin i i love it i I haven't seen it since probably high school, so I probably need to rewatch it. I remember thinking just how wonderful Liza Minnelli is. I also remember thinking how depressing it is. Yeah, it, it's and <laughs> folks, make no mistake, there's some delightful songs. I mean, Cabaret, the main song, is just mm -hmm. such an upbeat, optimistic, happy song, but the way it's sung within the context of the show is just astronomically depressing. It is not an upbeat musical, even though there's upbeat numbers. Yeah, I love Liza Minnelli in it. I think she's terrific. For those who don't know, she's Judy Garland's daughter. She's, you know, showbiz royalty. I will say I think one weak part is I normally like Michael York, but he's the male lead in it, and he's kind of eh in it. Um, I think they could have done better. I've seen it live a couple of times, and I've seen it done better with, with his character. He is a writer that she ends up falling in love with that is kind of the emotional backbone of the story. What do you think of Michael York, Robin? Um, I, I've never seen it live, so I don't have a comparison. So I always thought he was fine. Like I, I don't know if I find the character that not that that's not interesting, but I find the characters around him more interesting, if that makes sense. He's definitely, you know, and maybe that's the problem. Because, I mean, I've also seen, like, Michael York and Logan's run, and he's very cool in that. But Brian, the character that he plays, I think is definitely kind of the the blandest part of the movie. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a plot device that, that ultimately is there to uh, move Sally's storyline over. But there's not a lot that he can do, I think, to keep up. The biggest problem is, yeah, even the character, there's a little bit of the whole time in the play where you're kind of like, cause, cause Sally Bowles, the character that Liza Minnelli plays is just so vibrant and energetic. And you're just like, really? This weenie? This is the guy? <laughs> Him? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, nonetheless, um, anything else you want to add about, about Cabaret, Robin? Um, I, I don't think so. I, I mean, if people haven't seen it, definitely see it be prepared to be sad <laughs> there is a this isn't really a spoiler there is a song in it that 
is in the second act, I believe. Oh, no, it's the very end of the first act. I apologize. Called Tomorrow Belongs to Me, which is one of the most beautiful, moving, emotional songs you will ever hear. And the context in which it's sung just completely destroys it. And, and that's by intention. That's that's by, you know, who's singing it. I'll just say it's being sung by Hitler Youth. And so it just absolutely destroys the beauty of the song. And, and it's one of the things that I think is really terrific about the play. And kind of should take a minute to talk about Bob Fosse here, the way Fosse shoots it and directs this movie, directs the hell out of this movie. It's really one of my favorite musicals. Um, I love it. Have you seen any other Bob Fosse movies, Robin? Did he do Sweet Charity or is that somebody else? He did do Sweet Charity. Yep. Okay, then, I, then I've definitely seen Sweet Charity. <laughs> he did that. He did, I think his probably masterwork is is all that jazz, which is actually... He wrote it, directed it, and choreographed it, and it's based on his own life. It, it technically is a musical, and I thought about recommending it, but I figured I could just use the opportunity recommending Cabaret to to talk about it. And for those, it doesn't fall in the recommendations because it came out for 2000. Uh, the movie version of Chicago, even though he didn't direct that, quite frankly, every piece of choreography and everything about that movie is from the stage versions that he directed and choreographed. I think that's kind of an interesting way if you've never even seen a Bob... If you haven't seen a Bob Fosse movie, you've seen a Bob Fosse movie because you know plenty <laughs> of people have seen Chicago. So... All right, so Robin, lead us into your second pick. Well, I'm jumping forward one year to 1973. I'm going with Jesus Christ Superstar, which is a, I feel like, a very different musical than Cabaret. It's, it's a, well, the movie was directed by Norman Jewison, but it's adapted from an Andrew Lloyd Webber, Tim Rice musical, and Andrew Lloyd Webber, I feel like everybody knows what he does. <laughs> he's, I feel like he's very typical musical, but Jesus Christ Superstar is a little different and like it's, it's the rock opera. Um, have you seen it? Ladies and gentlemen, we have now two episodes in a <laughs> row. Uh, we went 25 volumes without having people pick the same movies. We now have two episodes in a row. If you've listened to the last episode, you know Daniel and Epler and I both picked While You Were Sleeping. Robin and I have both picked Jesus Christ Superstar. That was my second pick, Robin. So, um, <laughs> yes, I have seen it. I, okay. uh, I absolutely love it. Tell us what you love about it. All of it, but specifically, I love Carl Anderson as Jesus. <laughs> like, I think he makes the, he makes the show or he makes the musical. I love how weird it is. Like, it's it's a weird musical in general. Like, I got to see it like March first this year before everything locked down. I got to see the newest stage version, which is was incredible. But it's such a weird show. The movie is so weird. It's also so seventies, and it's kind of hippie weirdness um i was gonna say i love like just the, the way it's staged it's not staged but the way it's you know shot just out in the desert hanging out bunch of bunch of weird people just dancing around but it still works as like a heartbreaking story i don't know <laughs> why do you love it <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, all of the above. You know, folks, anybody that knows me, that follows me on Twitter, is listening to me, you know I'm like the least religious person on the face of the earth. And I'm also not a big Andrew Lloyd Webber guy. For whatever reason, everything about this this musical, in any capacity, um, I've seen it live a couple of times as well. I got to see it about 10, 12 years ago. I, I'm a big Living Color fan, the, the band, and I got to see it live about 10, 12 years ago with Corey Glover from that band playing Judas, which was, you know, kind of a dream come true. It It is by far and away, I think, the most consistently memorable of, of Lloyd Webber's work. You know, I, I think... I think he's made a career out of having two or three really big songs in his musicals and then a lot of just kind of, I don't want to say crap, but just not much, you know, a bunch of filler. And this one, I think, is top to, I mean, we start with Heaven on Their Minds, we end with Superstar. Just those bookends alone basically would make this, I think, one of the all-time great musicals and then we have i don't know how to love him and could we start again please and just all these uh uh, absolutely brilliant songs throughout it i'm with you carl anderson is just spectacular in this and and i really liked norman jewison's decision because you're right the movie's weird it's so 70s it's very um of its time but that is kind of how i think I know that this is such a great musical because I've seen several versions of it. There was just one a few years ago that was released on Blu-ray with uh, uh, Tim Minchin and Sporty Spice actually starring in it. And it's terrific, but it's set in essentially the modern era. And so this is an incredibly adaptable play. And Jewison smartly sets it in the hippie area era. I mean, all of his followers are hit. They're clear that they got like a school bus and they're all dressed in bell bottoms and stuff like that. And it it's a bit jarring, but I think it also really, really works. So the the newest stage version that I saw this year, they're all hipsters. The Jesus has a man bun. Like it's everybody's kind of wearing like the just gray and white it looks just a little millennial hipster and that's that's the staging and so it really does fit for any time <laughs> you can do it at any time there's not yeah you're right there's not a bad song in it it's all of it rocks all of it is great yeah and it moves i mean it, it i mean it's already a relatively short play but it, because it's a rock opera format, it just moves. You're just going from one song to the other. And it's like, even if I, and I'm with you, there's not one bad song, but even if there's one that you're kind of like, Oh, that one's not really doing it for me. You're three minutes away from something that's just going to blow you away. And I think the thing is, is, is Ted Neely's pretty great. Cause man, that dude's got pipes, mm-hmm. but every version I've seen of these that works, it hinges upon. Having a Mary Magdalene who can just absolutely kill, I don't know how to love him. And having a Judas who is, I mean, it's Judas's play, you know? Yes. Like, Jesus is a secondary character. He's got a couple of big numbers, the Garden of Gethsemane one. Really, this is Judas's play. And, uh, Carl Anderson, I mean, he's the template by which all other Judases are going to be measured, right? Like, he's, he's just perfect. In it. Did you see the NBC live one with John, John Legend? Legend? I did. I did. What did you think of that one? I thought he did. 
I don't know if I thought he was quite right for it, just in terms of that, the singing for it. But I thought that, um, was it Sarah Bareilles as mm-hmm. Mary Magdalene? I love her voice, so I thought she was fantastic. And I thought that, is it, I think it was Brandon Dixon? Brandon played, Dixon, yeah. That played Judas. I thought he was wonderful, and I loved the staging. So that was one that, like, for the live plays, when they were doing, like, the live musicals, I thought that was probably the best of any that they had done. I, I'm inclined to agree. I thought Brandon Dixon was just on a, I thought John Legend brought a real humanity to it, yes. but his voice isn't, he's a he's good a singer. He's, he's Yeah. I don't want Harry Connick playing Jesus and I kind of consider them to have similar vocal stylings, right? I, you really need a hair, you need a Sebastian Bach hair metal kind of guy to, to do Jesus. But my God, I thought Brandon Dixon just absolutely blew the roof off of that thing. He was so good in it. So, folks, I think it's fair to say that Robin and I are both very, (laughs) very big fans of this. Uh, We're recommending the 1973 version. I think it's terrific, but there's also other versions out there. I would say, Robin, is it fair to say that we just want people to see Jesus Christ Superstar? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's in my top five musicals of all time. I absolutely love it. Um, it's actually probably like number two after Hedwig. So, Robin, I love this recommendation. I love it so much that I'm going to forgive you for stealing it from me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to add about it? Uh, no, I think we, we fan, what is it, like fanboyed, fangirled enough over it. Yeah, yeah. There's a certain point where it's just going to become embarrassing, right? Um, <laughs> All right, so I am going to go with my backup. And my backup is, folks, I'm just going to tell you it's basic as hell. It is absolutely one of the most basic musical picks I could ever make. However, uh, as we mentioned earlier, there are no musicals except for Stop Making Sense on uh, the recommendation list. And there are no Disney movies on the recommendation list. And so that is something that needs to get rectified right now. So I am going to recommend my favorite Disney movie. And I understand everybody listening. It's basic as hell. I get it. But I'm going to recommend 1994's The Lion King. Because I actually do think this is a perfect musical. I think it's as close to a perfect movie as we can get, and I think it's a perfect musical. Robin, I'm assuming you've seen The Lion King. Of course I have. I don't think there's anybody listening that that hasn't, but nonetheless, uh, what do you think of it? I mean, it's not my... Okay, so it's not my favorite Disney, but it's up there. I I love it. It's a great musical. It's... um. Is it all Elton John? Elton John uh, did the songs and then the almighty Hans Zimmer, uh, back when Hans Zimmer was more interested in uh, music than just making notes for Christopher Nolan movies, uh, Hans Zimmer did the score. and they worked I didn't very, know that. Yeah, and they worked very closely together, so that's why it intertwines so well. It's a good pick. And I'm surprised you guys didn't have – you have had no Disney on your list. That's – Wow. Yeah, we, we actually have a, a, a follower in, uh, England who is tra- he tracks all our demographics and, um, we have a lack of animation in general on the list. Um, and so that's some of the things that I'm trying to do is, is 
coming up with guests that I think will bring maybe some of those different things to the table because uh, say what you will about Dana and I, I think we're likable guys, but we're very, very, very white cis males. And so I'm trying to get some other people that might that might come up with some some other things. So uh, yeah, Disney is really underrepresented uh, here. You know, I'm glad to be able to put one on. Folks are probably listening. I probably forgot one that we that we recommended at some point. But either way, there's not very many on the list. And so I'm happy to add this one. I saw this one in – I did not see it in the theater. I saw it in 94 when it came out on – this is how much of an old I am. When it came out on Laserdisc, actually, I got the fancy Laserdisc version and uh, was absolutely blown away by it because – you know, Robin, you know me, everybody that listens knows me. I'm a big action guy. And what I loved about this is, man, does it follow some friggin' martial arts kung fu movie action template? Like, like there is no more Hong Kong kung fu movie than the father is killed by somebody and the son has to go into training to uh, <laughs> come back and avenge his son. And that was the first thing I thought of when I watched it. I forget the musical component and stuff. I was like, man, this is a friggin' martial arts movie. Holy crap. And uh, and then obviously on top of that, the music is just brilliant. I think the instrumental score that Zimmer does is is a bit more effective than some of the Elton John stuff, but there's no question that, that you know, Circle of Life is is an all-timer. And, uh, I mean, all the songs are all-timers. We just got a remake last year. Uh, speaking of, Robin, did you see the remake? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't bother. I, I, I am going to tell you that that was a wise decision. I unfortunately saw the remake, and it, I will admit, by and large, I have enjoyed most of the Disney live-action remakes. I actually thought Cinderella was terrific. I liked Cinderella, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was... I actually like the live-action Cinderella better than the animated one. Blasphemy, though, that may be. This one made me angry. This one just <laughs> infuriated me because they added absolutely nothing new to it. And it has none of the heart, none of the emotion, none of the soul of the animated one. So... Uh, listeners, I would say, please stay away from the remake and watch the original. Anything else you want to add about Lion King, Robin? I'm going to get, again, I guess every, I'm guessing everyone has seen it. I never thought of it as a, like, martial arts movie. I think as a kid, I was just like, oh, it's, this is a fun movie and he has to, you know, avenge his dad. And then as I got older, I was like, this is Hamlet. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> but I saw it, I saw it in theaters, but I was a kid. I'm, I was probably nine, no, maybe eight or nine at the time. And that, but I do remember getting it. I, I wasn't fancy. I didn't get it on Laserdisc. I got it on VHS. <laughs> I had the, the Disney little uh, VHS for it. And I watched that thing into the ground. No, it's a, that's a strong pick. And I actually really want to go rewatch it now. <laughs> I had to rewatch it after we watched the remake. I, looked over at Kelsey and was like, you know what? Because we got done watching and it was like 10 o'clock at night and it was a Friday. It wasn't, you know, a work night. And I'm like, you know what? We're watching the animated one right now. Like, I got to purge this from my <laughs> system by watching the new one. You got to gotta get the bad blood out and put the good blood in. So, um, yeah. And, and I will tell you, it holds up. Man, it, it is... I, there's very few movies where if somebody's like, I don't like that movie, I'm instantly skeptical because, you know, everybody knows I like what you like, don't like what you don't like. But if you don't like The Lion King, you and I probably aren't 
going to have a ton in common. It's kind of one of those, to quote Pat, uh, Elric and Brian from Pure Cinema, it's a handshake movie, right? It's kind of like, if you don't like it, you're probably not going to like me, and that's fine, but, like, you're probably not going to like me, because I love this movie. So, um, I can't imagine not liking that movie. <laughs> right? I, I can't either. So, folks, we know you've all seen it. Really what it boils down to is take this as an opportunity to rewatch it. Because it really is terrific. Some movies, you know, we, we've recommended Goodfellas. We've recommended Lawrence of Arabia. We've recommended some of the all-time classics that, that we know most people have seen. Take it as an opportunity to rewatch it because some classics legitimately just are classics for a reason. They're just great movies. And, and I think The Lion King's one of them. Great. <laughs> All right. Miss Buckley, take us into your last pick. So, I was almost going to try to avoid making this pick because I feel like it's very expected of me based on if people follow me on Twitter, based on things I say on Twitter. But I had to go with my heart and my one true love of, uh, of an actor with Rick Moranis. Uh, I am choosing Little Shop of Horrors from 1986. Have you seen it? Would have been disappointed in you if you hadn't. <laughs> So glad you picked this. Yes, I've seen it. Yes, I love it. Tell us a little bit about it and tell us a little bit why you love it. Um, so it's directed by Frank Oz. It's adapted from a musical by Ellen Menken and uh, Howard Ashman. It's got Rick Moranis, Ellen Green. It's like, it's a who's who when you're watching it because like Steve Martin's there. Like there's cameos from John Candy, Jim Belushi, Christopher Guest, uh, Bill Murray pops up. And then the, it's so it is, about a poor kind of nerdy guy who works in a flower shop who during a total eclipse of the sun ha finds a plant and he names it Audrey too after a woman Audrey that he's in love with and he starts caring for the plant which is all great and his life starts turning around because the plant is so you know unusual and cool but then it turns out that that plant eats people <laughs> And so he has to feed it and take care of it. And it gets bigger and bigger because the more he feeds it, the more kind of famous and money he gets. But it's so fun and dark and twisted. Even like the movie is dark. It's, it's grimy. Um, it's not bright and cheery and happy, but it's so good. The music is all this kind of, well, there's, these urchin girls that kind of sing Motown, but it also has the big kind of your Broadway ballad kind of stuff with Suddenly Seymour. Um, I am obviously deeply in love with Mer Rick Moranis, and I find him perfect as Seymour. I don't know. I'm, I'm gushing about this movie, um, and that's probably kind of sad, but I, I just I, I enjoy all of it. There's not a single thing I would change about it. Yeah, and there's no shame in gushing. We 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 celebrate gushing on the 20th Century <laughs> Movie Club. That's the whole point. Is is we want people to recommend the movies that they love and the movies that mattered to them. I too absolutely love this movie. I actually first saw this in a little community theater here in Salt Lake. Uh, Salt Lake Acting Company. They're professional, but they're so they're not true community because they're actually professional. But they're it's small, and uh, they performed it, and they had a full blown working Audrey too, and 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 everything. Um, and that I saw that maybe a year 
before the movie came out because, um, again, my parents are, uh, they had some very flexible, uh, ideas on what was appropriate for seven year olds to watch. <laughs> I was absolutely blown away by it. And so then when the movie came out, we went and saw it. And, and, you know, for those who don't know, I think we might need to get into some minor spoilers here because the endings of the original play and the movie are, are very, very different. Yeah. Yeah. And so when the, the movie came out, I, I was surprised by the ending, but uh, ultimately I don't think it mattered because I think both endings work in, in their capacities. And other than that, it's such an unbelievably faithful adaptation. And, and Rick Moranis is, Perfect as Seymour. Ellen Green is perfect as Audrey. And she was uh, from the Broadway cast too, right? Yep. Yep. If I remember right, it's Alan Menken and Howard Ashman that did the music who would go on to find mega fame and riches as, as Disney folks. Um, so it's, it's really terrific. Of the endings and, and have you seen the movie ending that's on the special features on the disc? I haven't, but I, I know the, I've, seen the show and I've, I've done the show so I know the what the actual ending is. <laughs> yeah, the, the worst part about it is uh, the worst part about changing I think the ending for the movie is that Don't Feed the Plants is actually I think one of the best songs in the entire play and it unfortunately ends up getting cut because of it but folks who want the best of both worlds on the Blu-ray that came out they do have both endings so you can kind of compare and contrast them if you haven't seen it get on it uh because yeah. it's great oh well, I, I was gonna say i'll, I'll give a, a shout out to the voice of audrey to levi strubs from i think from the four tops is incredible as the voice of the plant just bring such pizzazz but also can sing just can sing so well He's terrific. And that's actually, again, a bit of the trade-off because if I remember right when I saw it, and I haven't seen the Broadway play in a long time or listened to the cast recording, I, prior to the movie coming out, I don't believe Mean Green Mother was actually in the Broadway play. I think they, they did for the movie. So you get, yeah. So again, one of the best songs is movie specific. So we lose one of the best songs from the play, but we get another great song to replace it. What it boils down to is you should just see Little Shop of Horrors in as many different forms and capacities as you can, because they all bring something a little different to the table and they're all terrific. Uh, except I actually just tweeted this out this week. I think the Roger Corman movie is highly overrated. I, I'm, have you seen the original Roger I Corman have- movie? But once, and again, it was a long time ago, I remember thinking it was fine. I didn't care about it that much. It's got a pretty terrific Jack Nicholson performance. It really is only, I think, of value as providing the inspiration and the framework for the musical. I consider the musical to be the definitive version. If you like the Roger Corman one, I would highly suggest you seek out A Bucket of Blood with Dick Miller because I think it covers the same themes and it's a vastly superior movie Um because, you know, Dick Miller, y'all. Um But... uh yeah, I uh, I think this is a terrific recommendation. And again, would have been disappointed if you hadn't. <laughs> I would have felt like I didn't know you at all if you hadn't recommended. I was like, this. I was like, ooh, do I go with something unexpected? But no, no, I gotta be me. We're we're pro basic again on the 20th Century Movie Club. We're pro. You got to be you. I mean, I, I, there's a Mark Dacascos movie in the recommendation. Do you know how many like movie recommendation podcasts have Mark Dacascos movies? Not many. So um, I'm just saying you got 
yeah, you got to be you. Uh, we encourage that. Anything else you want to add about Little Shop of Horrors? No, I, I think I've said all I can say. I've written about it. I've talked about it. I tweet about it like once a week. If people haven't seen it yet, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, why are you even following Robin if you haven't seen it? You're, you're, folks, you're making Robin cry right now because you haven't seen it. And don't do that. Then I'll be mad at you. Um, and lots of people will be mad at you. No, just see this movie. Um, I would actually say that we've recommended some pretty terrific movies so far of the ones that we've recommended. If you have time to watch just one, I'm going to go ahead and say you need to watch Little Shop of Horrors. I, I think that is the the first one that anybody should watch from the recommendations we've yes, made. Correct. And, and that's not going to be changed by my last pick because there's no way I'm going to recommend that my last pick is the first movie that anybody should watch ever. As you said, Robin, I gotta be me. Um, so I am, I am a bit pushing the boundaries of what constitutes a musical. I am also a bit pushing the boundaries of what constitutes a good movie. Uh, well, I'm extremely pushing the boundaries of what constitutes a good movie. My last pick is a recommendation. It's a movie that I saw a few years ago for June exploitation. Actually, uh, for those who don't know, F This Movie Every June does a series called uh, June Exploitation, where every day it's a themed exploitation movie, and, and you watch a movie that fits that theme, and it's a lot of fun, and we all have a great time doing it. And the first time I watched it, I kind of ironically liked it, and then it continued to stay with me and stay with me, and I've now seen it four times, and every time I love it, or every time I watch it, my letterboxed rating of it goes up like a star to where I now actually have it rated as like a four and a half star movie. It is the 1984 slasher musical from Beverly Sebastian, Rocktober Blood. Robin, have you ever seen Rocktober Blood? I, I can't say that I've seen that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's fine. That's why I'm recommending it. I didn't expect you would have. For those who don't know, Rocktober Blood is basically the story of a, a metal group led by lead singer Billy I. Harper uh, and his... Uh, girlfriend Lynn, who's also a backup singer in the group, and, and it opens with them recording, and then as it appears, after they're done recording, Billy kills everybody else in the band. And when Lynn finds out she's saved by some security guards, Billy gets killed, gets executed. We end up moving forward two years after Billy's been executed, and Lynn's now the lead singer of the band. They're touring under a different name, and Billy mysteriously reappears, killing off people around Lynn. It actually sounds like that could be kind of interesting. It's not. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's it, This is not a well-made movie, folks. I, I, I'm going to ask you to bear with me on this. The reason I'm recommending it is because while it's not a traditional musical in that the songs are designed to move the plot forward, it is as much of a musical as almost anything because the songs are by an Australian band called Sorcery, who also did the music for a, a really famous Australian exploitation movie called Stunt Rock. And their songs are through out the entire movie. The songs don't move the f plot forward, but they're integral to the plot. And, and without getting into too many spoilers, the final 20 minutes of this all take place during a concert. I, I tweeted this the last time I watched it. Somebody needs to synthesize the last 20 minutes of this movie and inject them straight into my veins. Because the culmination of the songs that are being performed with 
the things that are happening on stage, it's not much of a spoiler to say Billy's literally killing people on stage while they're performing. Um, it's, it's a three song set and it is, this is one of those movies that you're going to put up with the first hour to get to the last 20 minutes, but the last 20 minutes is that kind of unbelievable energy that only exploitation filmmakers can make. And so I'm really recommending this movie for the last 20 minutes because I just think the last 20 minutes are honestly something special. And I'm, I'm not, I say that with no irony, no anything. I think the last 20 minutes are really, really well done, really effective with just some absolutely kick-ass 80s sort of hard rock and metal. If you're watching it and you're kind of like, for the first little bit, you're like, why, why, Mike, why? Really? Like, Dana turns the this part of the podcast over to you and this is the first thing you recommend? Just just bear it out until you get to that last 20 minutes. For those who don't know, Beverly Sebastian and her husband, Fred, or Ferd Sebastian, also directed another exploitation classic, Gator Bait. They're, they're actually very effective, low-budget filmmakers. Honestly... Sometimes I'm the host of the show. I gotta, I gotta take advantage of that and talk about Rocktober Blood. So, Robin, next June exploitation, I want you to make me a promise. When we get to Heavy Metal Day, you're gonna check out Rocktober. Or you know what? Don't even wait. Yeah, I might watch it before that. Yeah, when one, when we're recording this, we're we're coming up. We try and make these timeless, but just so you folks know, when we're recording this, we're coming up on October Scary Movie Month. So, uh, yeah, watch it for uh, Scary Movie Month and uh, and let me know what you think. I will. I, I think you are one of my friends that might actually, if not dig it, at least appreciate it. I, I actually think I'll probably really like it. <laughs> if nothing else, I think you'll dig the music. And, and folks, the music really is just absolutely terrific. All right. Anything else you want to add about movie musicals, Robin? Any just sort of last minute ones you want to throw in as recommendations to just tell people to check out for no, no, no we didn't say singing in the raid is a classic if you haven't seen that one go see that or watch that um there's so many there's it's a genre that i feel like a lot of people today aren't watching and they should there's so many from like the 30s 40s 50s that are just they're light and they're fluffy and they're fun and especially with like everything in the world right now sometimes it's nice to just have something where people sing and tap dance and life is good absolutely and one of the things i always tell people when they're like i don't really like all the singing or all the dancing for whatever reason when it comes to human communication there are things that can be expressed in song that aren't as effective being expressed just in the spoken word it's the reason that even if it's not a musical we have backing songs you know we have i just watched bill and ted face the music and and you know music is such a huge part of that uh series and the final song in that is you know it's not a musical but they they are playing the final song and i'll be damned if you know that song's not gonna make me choke up every time i listen to it from here until the day i die and that's really what i think musicals bring to the table is we respond to music in a way that we don't respond to words and musicals are the the kind of the culmination of that um so if you're not a musical fan I've always just said, I think you just haven't found the right musical because I legitimately believe there's a musical out there for everybody. 
come to me, come to Robin, reach out to us and ask us for more recommendations because we can, we can probably find one that you'll dig. Yes. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. <laughs> I was nodding like you could see me. <laughs> Audio only, Robin. Audio only. <laughs> What we like to do now, folks, is we like to let you know where you can see these movies. Robin, do you want me to go first on mine, or do you want to go first? You can go first. You can find Cabaret on, and as always, folks, we use the Just Watch app and website to find these. It's not perfect, uh, but it's the best website I've found for this. So if you miss it or it, you're curious, you go to what we recommend because obviously these are time sensitive and it's not there. Just go to what, Just Watch and, and look up the movie. Cabaret is playing on Fubo, which is a, a television subscription service, or if you have a fancy HBO Max subscription, it it is also playing on HBO Max. So my second recommendation, The Lion King, is as you can probably imagine, folks, it is streaming on Disney+. Plus. Um, it's also available for rental or purchase on most major streaming services. Um, and there's a pretty terrific Disney Blu-ray out of there of it. Like, if you want to watch The Lion King, you ain't going to have a hard time finding it. My last recommendation for October Blood is admittedly a lot harder to come by, but the one thing that is nice, if you go to YouTube, the Sebastian Films Limited, Sebastian Films LTD web channel, is officially streaming it on YouTube. So you can watch it for free on YouTube. And in a legal capacity, it is from the filmmakers themselves. It is age-restricted, so if you don't log in and tick the box that says uh, you can see age-restricted content, you won't find it. But if you do, uh, you'll see it there. It's not hard to find. You can also get, uh, they are selling DVD on-demand versions on Amazon that you can get. I'll fully admit the quality of the 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 camera stuff, you know, the film quality is not that great, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. As long as you can hear the songs and see the blood, uh, you're going to get the gist of it. So I recommend checking it out on YouTube. Robin, where can people find your picks? Um, okay, so Footlight Parade, you can, it's basically streaming for rent anywhere, but Prime is probably the spot that would be easiest for people, but it is again for rent. Um, for that one, if you're a physical media person, uh, I have the Blu-ray from the the Warner Archive collection, and it's fantastic. The extras on it are great. Uh, the the pictures beautiful. So if you're somebody who likes those likes physical media, I would actually recommend getting the Blu-ray. Really quick, you remember when Warner Archive started as just like a manufactured on demand crap? like system and then now they're kicking out all these fantastic just absolutely beautiful blu-rays with stuff it, it's really impressive what they've done over the last few years yes it's i picked up footlight parade along with uh 42nd street and a few other of the kind of the older musicals when they had their um like four for 44 sale a couple months ago and i was so happy that i could get it yeah absolutely uh Jesus Christ Superstar is streaming again it's kind of everywhere it's I didn't see it streaming for free anywhere um I saw it for rent on Prime is where I usually would watch from although again I have I have an old like an old DVD that I probably need to upgrade to something a little nicer and then Little Shop of Horrors if you have HBO Max it's streaming on HBO Max but otherwise you can rent it on Prime or Apple TV or you know Vudu one of those 
And and I really can't recommend if you can track it down. I can't recommend the Warner Blu-ray that came out probably about ten years ago. Highly enough, it, it's really they did a really nice job with it. I'm not sure if it's still. It looks like it is still in print. So uh, it's uh, 14.99 on Amazon. So um, I definitely recommend that Blu-ray as well. Robin. Plug some stuff. Where can people find you? Uh, well, Twitter, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, again, occasionally on F This Movie. Sometimes I pop up on podcasts. Uh, I write for them, but I don't have anything out right now. At some point, I'm going to get my act together and do an entire um, article series on musicals. But I haven't yet. But that that should be coming soon. And uh, But otherwise, yeah, just... Find me at Robin, Robin's Reviews or Let the Right Robin on Twitter. You can see pictures of a cute dog and chickens. And it is a very cute dog, and they are very cute chickens <laughs> as well. And you and your family are adorbs. Um, and folks, if you're not following Robin, she is um, absolutely one of my Twitter BFFs. She's one of my favorite people to follow. Um, so you're you're really missing your Twitter life is incomplete if you're not following her. So please make sure to check her out. You can find me uh, as always at Hibachi Justice on Twitter and at Hibachi Justice on Letterboxd, where you can also find our continually updating list of recommendations we've made on this here 20th Century Movie Club. So please check us out there. You can go back and find what we've recommended in old episodes. Dana can be found at Dana Buckler on Twitter. The show can be found at Dana Buckler Show on Twitter. It can also be found uh, uh, we have a Dana Buckler Facebook group. You can also find him at Dana Buckler Show on Instagram. We do have a Patreon, uh, the Dana Buckler Show, so please check that out. We will actually be at some point uh, having some pretty decent announcements about that. Um, and if you want to get all of those links in one fell swoop, you can just go to Linktree slash Dana Buckler Show. Robin, thank you so much for joining me on this tonight. That was absolutely a blast. Thank you so much for having me. This was this was a lot of fun. Well, I assure you, we are going to have you back. So uh, start percolating what you want your next theme to be. You will be back on sooner rather than later because I, I had a blast doing this. For Robin Buckley, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. I'm Mike Scott. Uh, this is the Dana Buckler Show. Uh, everybody have a good night.